0: How's everybody doing today? My name is John Edmonds Cosma. I'm the CEO of Bang Productions. Welcome to the Unimpressed Podcast. Today we have Gordo Loco, a.k.a. Chad Alley. Gordo is going to show us his style of fishing. When he got started in comedy... He did a video with fishing line on a bottle. Sounds crazy, but hey, we're gonna see how it's done today. I've seen you do the videos. I wanted to check out this thing in person. Like I said, is gonna show us his style of fishing today here at the end of Sullivan's Island in beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. Normally I use a
1: jorito bottle, couldn't find one. It's just string, tie it on there, cook, wait, swing it like a cowboy, throw your little worm on there. I hope this thing don't break. Big boys don't like walking on wood. Oh, be careful, oh, oh, be, oh, careful. Oh, oh. be careful. Be <laughs> careful. <laughs> be careful. Oh, sh- oh like oh. I'm surfing. You know oh. what I'm saying? All right, here we got. It. Hold your bottle, bring you a two liter, do some refills, drink up. I jump in, because so there ain't nothing in this water bigger than me. I'll fight it. I have to pull the boat, drag me out. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be good. Hold on tight to your bottle. You never know what you're going to catch. Could catch a hard time. They always said a bad day at fishing is better than a good day at work. You throwing the bite? How long does it take for fish to bite? I have no idea. Cast number two. Trick is smaller hook, smaller bait. Let them get it in one shot, and they're gonna grab it every single time.
0: They say this is the Mexican style way of fishing. Like I said, I wanted to see it for myself.
1: Yeah, I'm a little top heavy. You know what I'm saying? I gotta grab. I I gotta grab the pole.
0: Well, that's two casts. Ain't no fish yet. He fishes like Slim McGraw. You got the wire wrapped around your leg.
1: No, oh, I don't. That's the extra fishing line. That's 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 the one I pulled a girl in
0: with. Gordo's got 50 acres in Alaska. Of cornfields. Yeah, of cornfields. <laughs> He's trying to sell me. He was trying to tell me that he had comprehensive uh, coverage on his car. And a tree fell on his car. And I said, well, did you get your money for your car? And he says, no, I didn't get any money. I said, well, Gordo, you had a liability then. You just had enough to get you on the road so you could drive it. You ever eat fish with the head still on? No,
1: no. Nah, uh, you just pick around the cheap meat and eat the eyes out of it. What I tell you, dude, I told you I was having a bite. I told you, bro. There is nothing on here. All right, we're gonna tell John that that was the official number four cast. We're not gonna let him know that's number
0: six. We gotta have some closure, Gordo. We need a fish. I know, I wish there was somebody hook, out here. Hook, system. number two. Cast number five.
1: Cast number 12. Let's make it happen today. Almost, almost. You seen the swimming? You seen
0: the swimming, baby?
1: Oh, you seen the swimming? Ooh, ooh, ooh. All
0: right, here we go. Gordon ain't holding his mouth right.
1: Oh oh, 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 oh. I'm holding my mouth right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Whoa, check them out. Your boy caught the fishy of the day, son. A nice little perch. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. You know what they say you got to do, though. You got to kiss the fish, baby.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com people today. So it did work, Gorda. It was big enough for a taco. Stay tuned. We're going to interview Gordo here in a few minutes, talk about his life, talk about his aspirations on being a comedian and the stuff he deals with online on a daily basis. I'm sitting here with the famous Gordo Loco. We are unimpressed about a few things in Gordo's life currently. One thing, the the internet um, can be a little uh, disheartening sometimes. And there's a lot of things that I think uh, these guys deal with. Uh, on a daily basis, being in the public eye, uh, we want to get some background on Gordo Loco, where he's from, what his real name is. Talk about his alter ego, Gordo Loco. My real name's Chad Alley. I go by Gordo Loco.
1: I've uh, started doing comedy, and the videos just kind of took me there um, and gave me that name because I'm big boy, and Gordo means. Big boy in loco means crazy, and they always said it. That big boy's crazy. I grew up in a trailer park in South Carolina, and uh, I grew up with a, with a bunch of Mexican people. My my dad died when I was thirteen, and uh, my sister was really all I had. My sister and my brother both of their Both of my sister's um, husbands were both Mexican guys. So growing up around that was huge. You know what I'm saying? That's how that's how I got a lot of Spanish people to just love what I do because I, I connect with them I relate with them and uh it just blew up really fast like it blew up really quick and that's how I now what, does, Gordo what is what is what does Gordo loco mean in Spanish like it so Gordo means like fat boy and Loco means crazy so it's like fat boy is crazy that's that's how it all plays out like uh, I just I was just really wild like when I was a kid, I was really out there, like, out there. Like, I mean, I would do all kind of stuff. Like, I would run around the trailer park, you know, yelling, Arriba Mexico, cabrones, like, pulling my pants all the way up to here, making crazy faces, man, and just, just uh, I was just wild. I was out there really bad, <laughs> and uh, that's how I got the name, and it stuck. So,
0: that's what, how I got uh... the name Porto Loco. Tell us, a lot of people don't know about your, you know, your childhood growing up. I know you, you kind of went yeah. through some tough times, you know, and I, th- I think I think a lot of people need to hear that. They need to hear yeah. your story, uh, kind of how you grew up as a child. What are some things that happened to you as a kid?
1: Know.
0: Uh, you know, and you're fortunate to be here today in the position you're in. Uh, tell us a little bit about your early childhood you had to deal with i was
1: uh i was actually born in charlotte north carolina but i was brought straight to rock hill and uh my dad was an iron worker and then um he he had uh one of his lungs had collapsed and whenever i was whenever like right before i was born or whatever and he kind of had to stop doing that you know then that's whenever our our finances and stuff went down or whatever like right before i was born and and it was a. Uh, we we lived in these trailer parks like we were always in and out of different trailer parks like I mean like all all the time like we'll get kicked out of every single trailer my grandma would have to come help us man like we lived in the worst of the worst of the worst like I'm talking about like like my dad would become the maintenance man of these trailer parks and and uh my, my dad was a Vietnam War vet and like so that messed with his head and it caused him to like drink all the time and stuff like that and you know, he, he he had his own battles, and I, I love him to death, or whatever. And uh, you know, and and that that's why we were in those situations. But uh, whenever I was about seven years old, um, we uh, were removed from our home. We got took by DSS. Me and my brothers and sisters, and uh, we was in and out of DSS for a long time. They split the whole family up because my dad, like my my parents, couldn't really couldn't really do what they needed to do, like right at the moment to, to, to get us where we needed to be. So we live with the state, you know, and I lived with them for a while. Um, uh, I, I lived in a, a trailer park in Rock Hill. I was molested a bunch of times that that was really bad. Um, you know, and I, I think that me being molested and the things I went through. And then after I, I'd get out of foster care like, like a year later, my dad died with cancer. Like, after, you know, cleaned his whole life up, you know, I'm like, dang, like we actually live in a house now. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we, we got a house. Like, whenever I got our DSS, like, we had a house. Like, I've never lived in a house, you know, we had a three bedroom house and, and like, it, it was just like our, the, our whole life was good, you know, and then my dad just died. Like, so that, that kind
0: of messed me up. And I think that, that started my food addiction. Is there anybody else in your family that have the same food addictions that you have? Mm-mm. No, it, it, it just, I, I just remember it being my comfort.
1: Food, food's always been my comfort. I, I just always remember, like, like, whenever I would eat something, it would take the pain, like, it would take, it would remove it from my brain for a little bit. Like, if you eat something good, like, it would take that away from you for a second, like, anything that you're dealing with, dealing with your dad, think about being molested, like anything I was dealing with, was like our, our childhood was rough. Like I'm talking about like really bad. And like whenever I would eat, it would just take the pain all the way away. It would like, it felt good. Like it felt better, you know, like, and I developed that food addiction and it happened for years and years and years. And I, I still battle, you know, like, you know, I still battle like it's a, it's a, it's a process. I've done a whole lot better since I you know I went to the hospital I had a scare and uh, I was in the hospital for like almost 40 days I right at 40 days and I, I had a scare and I got out of there and I've, I've slipped up a couple times but uh, it, it's got a stronghold on me and that's that's what I deal with on that. Now how many kids how many kids were in the family? so we got my brother Billy he's the oldest and my sister Dawn, my sister Sheena, my brother um, Shane and then me, and then my sister, Tanya, and then when we were living in a trailer park back in the day, like, and it's funny, because this is what I talk about in a lot of my videos, or whatever, my my mom and dad had a little mess up, I don't really know the whole situation, but anyway, um, I found out that I was going to have a little sister, Desiree, that wasn't my dad's. So <laughs> so that happened. And uh, yeah, so that's, we, it was like seven, eight of us.
0: Yeah. yeah. So Billy, Dawn, Sheena, Shane, now, Tanya, Desiree. Yeah, so. Now, if you were, when the family was taken away and you were, the family was staying at different foster homes under state's care, how did y'all, how did you, because I know your brothers and sisters, y'all reconnected? Mm-hmm. later in life. And how did you reconnect with, with your family? They, they, they finally let
1: us all come back together. Um, they let us all come back, like, you know, a couple years or whatever. Like, it was just a, a long process. They finally just let us. I remember getting a phone call from my dad. I was living at Columbia Children's Home, and uh, I got a phone call from my dad. And he was like, hold on, I'm to you talk to your brother. And he, they let them come home before me and I had to wait a few months, but um, yeah, like, that's whenever he whenever he had got cancer real, real bad, like, um, while I was in foster care, I remember they took us to the hospital in Columbia, the VA hospital, and they let us see him, and he had a big old cut on his back, they cut the cancer out of him, and, like, finally, and that's whenever he stopped drinking, he stopped smoking, he just, like, really focused, and he started getting VA checks and stuff, and He's able to do what he what he used to do, you know, and you know, and, and provide better and stuff. So we we had got a house. He cleaned his whole life up, and he was battling that cancer, and that cancer slowed him down and kind of helped rebuild him. And then he was able to get us back. They said the meetings that he would go to, like for drinking or whatever, he had to do it to get us back. I remember the ladies they they came to his funeral. They said that. And so my dad would go into the meetings. Sometimes he would have to lay on his back like in so much pain. But he told him I do not want to leave, I wanna do what I gotta do to get my kids back and he would be in there hurting real bad, dealing with
0: cancer and like he would he was doing what he had to do to get us back, like and he did it. After your dad got you got things worked out and got the kids back together, then he passed away? Yeah, he died like a couple like a couple I'd say a year and a half, two years.
1: I remember no, we he wanted to get a house for us, and he knew that he knew he was dying. You know, I mean, he, he talked about it all the time, how he didn't want to leave us and stuff like that. And he, uh, it was just real. Like he 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 bought a house in Lancaster, South Carolina, and uh, shortly after, like about five months after, I didn't know what was going on. Like I knew my dad was dying. Like I walked into the room that my, my mama come out the next room or the next room whatever and she was like it's time hospice had been in and out and they were like they're like it's time you know it's, it's, it's happening right now I'm like what are you talking about I'm 13 so I walk in there and I'm like holding my dad's hand and I'm like I'm like like what's going on like you, like he's gasping for air and I'm like I'm like man y'all call the ambulance you know what I'm saying like what are y'all doing like I'm freaking out on everybody and they're like there's nothing they can do. Like, you know, he's dying, you know? And I, I didn't realize it was that real until it actually happened. And like, I held my dad's hand. So he took his last breath. And like, that was hard on me at 13. Like that was, that was bad. Like just now seeing like, like you, you've changed your, like changed your whole life, giving us a life that we've never imagined. Like I'm talking about like anything we wanted. Like, I remember whenever I was a kid, kid, we didn't have nice clothes We didn't have anything, but, like, I'd get out of foster care, my dad's, like, constantly buying us whatever clothes we wanted, doing anything we wanted him to do. Like, he he was just, you know, just being a a good dad, and, like, you know, and then he just died. Like, I thought, finally, we had somewhat of a normal life. And it just, after he died, it was just, it was crazy, man. And then my brother tried to raise us, um... And that just didn't work out, and then I just kind of bounced in between my sisters and stuff like that, and just kind of raised myself. Like it's always been me by myself,
0: really. Like you know, like I like. It, now, when did the when did the Mexican family get involved? They get involved, yeah. Like, after, No, like during during the process.
1: Like while while my dad was sick, um, I stayed with my sister Dawn. Like like I, like you know, some like sometimes like I would. During, during those couple years, a year and a half, whatever, I'd be with my sister, you know, a good bit or whatever. And uh, she she was uh, with uh, with a guy named Chava, and uh, my sister Sheena, she was with uh, with one Juan. Juan got a arm right here, and the uh, you know she, she you know
0: I was with them a lot. So you were kind of going back and forth from your sisters. family and their boyfriends and your real family. Your dad passed away. Um, So what was it like from 13 to your 20s? You're 28 now.
1: Yeah. Uh, You're 28
0: now. So tell us a little bit about, you know, and when did you get the bug, like experiencing all this craziness as a child, you know, and the eating disorders and, and so forth. When did you get this bug of want to be in comedy, want to be a funny guy. Well like so after my after my uh
1: after my, my dad passed away um, I had a few people that did step in, like, you know, just try to like be there. But the thing is though is like I never had guidance. You know what I mean? Like I never had any kind of guidance or anything. So I was just all over the place, man. I'd be at this friend's house, this friend's house doing this doing that like I didn't really have like a structured life like I didn't I was just all over the place for a long time I worked a few jobs like I worked at Sam's Club a little bit I worked at a couple car lots sold cars stuff like that I I always had to make people laugh like like I feel like I didn't have anything growing up so if I was with some people like like to get them to accept me I would just do crap to make them laugh like you know to, to be accepted and stuff like that but like and i just always loved it i mean ever since i was a kid like like i was just always making people laugh like like just forever like as far as i can look back i mean it's just something that i've always always done and my brother showed me a video one time on youtube of a a a, a, a guy named ed bassmaster he does pranks and stuff like that and uh I started watching Ed Bassmaster's videos and now I know Ed Bassmaster that's pretty cool he's like the guy like he started pranking. and you know what I mean like he started this and I just wanted to do that so um in 2010 I, I started doing little videos at Walmart with my iPhone and stuff like that and uh started putting things on YouTube and I wanted to do it and I fell off of it for a little while I had my daughter and stuff and then I finally just started doing videos again. So I made this video and uh, it was of me riding in the car. Everybody knows me for that. I was riding in the car and I was like, I was in this busted little Buick and I was like, Arriba, Mexico, cabrones. I was like, um, I went to Paco's Tacos today, and they get they sang Happy Birthday to me even when it's not my birthday. I love Mexicans and like and everybody that I woke up the next morning. The video on my per, on my personal page had three million views. I was freaked out. I had so many people calling me, whatever, whatever. So then I made a page called I Love Mexicans and. I put that video back on there, shared it onto my personal page, got like 20,000 followers like within a week. And I just, man, like I got that page rolling. And then next thing you know, I created the Gordo Loco page because I wanted people to know me for me. And I just started posting
0: videos and then I met you. And now here we are. Here we are. One thing I want to say too is, is, you know, the sensitivities of some of these people online sometimes you know sometimes you don't know what people have been through what they've experienced you know i know gordo gets a little bit a little bit of hate on the internet so sometimes you don't know what people's past is about you know so before if you're out there on the internet before you want to go out there and throw some jabs maybe you need to do do some homework and 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 see what these people are about where they came from and, and don't be so quick to jump out there and be negative you know, when someone's trying to make themselves better, you know, trying to get into comedy, trying to do, be an inspiration for other people that may be in the same situation he is. So, uh, you know, what do you what do you say about the some of the the insensitive people on the internet? Because uh, I know you deal with that a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I try I try not to let it get to me. Sometimes I know you. You'll stop you will stop me like look just don't even let it bother you and stuff like that it's it's just hard like whenever you know who you are as a person and then like you have the people that you know want to want to try to put you down for your weight or put you down for how you handle situations like it, it it's kind of hard but like you just have to look at it like you know those people really don't know you you know what i mean and they're just trolls you know and i just feel like if, you know if they don't have anything better to do with their life you know then uh pick on people or talk about people i really don't know what to say to them i mean get better
0: <laughs> but yeah get better well get better <laughs> well gordo's got a lot of stuff going on he's got he's been working with dano's seasoning so we're giving a little shout out to dano's, dan-o's. go out there and get your uh dano seasoning uh, he's got a good relationship with him he's doing doing some videos and content for dano seasoning so he's getting a little bit of momentum We're upping his game in the video world, so be on the lookout for uh, some interesting prank-type videos coming your way soon with Mr. Gordo Loco. Um, And a couple new things in your life right now. You have an opportunity um, to go record some music in Nashville. You're uh, talking to Matt Wallace, who is Jelly Roll's manager, and Matt wants to do some music yeah. with gordo uh he's supposed to be going here in about a week tell us a little bit about that opportunity and you know getting an opportunity with these guys and doing some music and so forth when you go to nashville man I, I feel like um i love music i've always always loved music and uh
1: i've been putting some stuff out there and playing with it and i know that that you all liked it and uh you know and i want to go with it and uh, i've always loved jelly roll I got to talking to um, Jelly Roll's manager and stuff, and he's like, dude, I, I think we can do something here, and we uh, made some dates, put some plans together, and going to Nashville, going to try to record some music and put some of that out there for you and put some new prank videos out there. i have always wanted to do those prank videos, so we shot some good footage yesterday, and I feel like it's upping
0: it, up in the game. Up in the game, yeah. You know, we're trying to up of the game. We're going to get his YouTube, get his Instagram, get everything, Facebook in sync. Um, what about this recent thing? It's been keeping you busy uh, with Rough Riders. Rough Riders and Rough Riders. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people don't know the Rough Riders thing is a more of a positive organization than a. Uh, a negative organization so tell us a little bit about how that came about and what that is right now in your life or the rough riders my my brother my brother is a rough rider he's been a rough rider for
1: like six years now i've been around them um, all this stuff like you know i never really like jumped or like wanted to be a part of something more or whatever like that or whatever but i just i just i've seen the positive things they were doing i love riding motorcycles man i'm I tell people all the time, there's nobody my size out here that rides as hard as I do. Like, I scare people, man. I'm crazy when I ride, uh, you know, and that's that's what Rough Riders is about, man. It started as a record label in uh, 88, and then they, they started Lifestyles or whatever. Once was like car division, truck division. They got a dog division, and they got motorcycle division. I joined motorcycle division, and uh, um, I'm with the Tri-County Rough Riders, and dude, we, we just – we ride. We do charities, man. We we do all kind of stuff. A lot of positive stuff. We do. Um, we'll, we'll, we're working on some stuff where we're going to be feeding some people. we um, doing some stuff for the kids, like. And I just it keeps me moving. Like I'm always out. Like like there's nothing more exciting than going out and getting on my bike and riding. I feel like riding disconnects me from the world. Like it really does. Like it disconnects me from anything I got going on, and sometimes that could be a bad thing, but some, but a lot of times it's a good thing. And uh, I think it's a it's definitely an addiction. <laughs> I love riding. So um, rough riders, man, they're they're all over the world. It's like a big family almost, you know, like 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 being a part of like a like a big family. It's it's pretty cool. I love it. I love rough riders. And uh, I didn't do it for a long time. But uh, I pulled a trigger, I prospected, I prospected for almost a year and uh, finally got vested. One of the main videographers for Rough Riders, J-Boss, he loved my videos, like he, he just loved my videos. If you go on YouTube and you look up J-Boss TV, like you see every single big Rough Rider event, anything going on, like he's like the main guy. He, he rode all the way down from New York to South Carolina to be there and video my vesting. It's on YouTube, too. Um, look up J-Boss TV. It keeps me off of that couch for sure. Because uh if I get on that couch, I'm, I'm done for six months,
0: right? Yeah. No, I, I told Gordo when he gets a girlfriend, right, he has a good run for about five to six months. But when they break up, you might as well just forget about him. He's done when they break up you know it's cardiac arrest and everything else you know what i'm saying it's uh it's going to happen to them but i'm, I'm kidding about that but uh, it does get the best of me you, you know one thing i want to touch on going back to the internet is you got a little bit of hate i don't know if you want to touch on this GoFundMe thing you know this was uh people i think took that a little bit out of context they didn't know what you use the money for, uh, getting yourself a bed. Can you tell us a little bit about that bed you bought and so forth? Yeah. Like, so whenever
1: I was in there, it wasn't even my idea. Like I woke up one morning and there was a GoFundMe on Facebook. My sister had created and, um, it was like, like I needed a bed that could like elevate my legs because like I was having poor circulation. Like my whole body swelled up. And whenever I was in the hospital, I weighed like 668 pounds. Like, my legs were this huge, my arms were this big, my face was puffy, like, my stomach was blowed out, like, like, my body was just not letting go of the fluids or whatever, like, it just, it was just holding fluids, they don't know why, They like, it wasn't my kidneys, you know what I'm saying, then they tried to say it was like some heart failure or whatever, and then I went back to the, to the heart doctor, and he was like, he said that my heart was good. He's like, you actually don't have heart failure. We were just treating you as that, whatever, whatever. So, like, I was, like, in the hospital for, like, 40 days. Like, I don't only do videos and stuff for, you know, like, like, like to pay the bills or whatever. Like, like, I do some things like, you know, sell some cars. For, I got a guy I sell a couple cars for, like, to help get my stuff caught up. And, like, you know, and it, it was really hard for me, you know. Like, I was in the hospital for... Forty days, one thirty. No, forty days one time, and like sixteen days the other time. And I wasn't out here making the moves like I needed to, and I needed this adjustable bed to where it like lifted lifted my back up and lifted my legs up above my heart, so so my fluids can come back down to my heart and you know leave my body like it's supposed to. And uh, and the bed was like twenty five hundred bucks. Then whenever I got out of the hospital, I like. I had this this really bad like bathroom or whatever like I needed something to hold on to like I'm still trying to get better. I, I lost I lost my uh, what do you what do you call it? Whenever you lose your um, your your strength, yeah, you lose your strength. Like if you're just laying in the hospital bed for 40 days, like you lose your strength. And I, I just I need extra help at the house. So my sister knew I needed that bed, so she created that GoFundMe page, whatever, whatever, and then. Um, I think got up like three thousand dollars or whatever. The bed was like twenty five hundred dollars, and then I redid my bathroom and made my shower area and all that stuff safer and all that. I get out of the hospital like I'm doing really good. Like you know, I got this bed, my bathroom's good. Like I'm moving around a whole lot better. I start losing a whole bunch of weight. I started going the low sodium diet. That's why I got up with dano seasonings; they're low sodium. Started doing low sodium diet. Started. Walk in, started exercising man started moving and i just couldn't stay still and then my brother he came to me and he's like man like i really want you to ride he was like man like real bad i want you to ride and i was like man i just can't afford a bike or whatever whatever one day he come by the house and he was like, hey man ride with me somewhere so i rode with him and we went up to gastonia north carolina and uh we pulled up to this guy's house and the guy had a motorcycle out there and Josh was just talking to him. I didn't know what was going on or whatever. And my brother bought me this motorcycle. And he was like, you know, basically, like, I'm proud of you. Like, you know, you keep pushing. I want you to ride with me. And we started riding. I understand where people got confused. They're like, all right, you just now raised $3,000 on the Internet to get you a bed and to get your bathroom fixed and all this stuff. And now you're out here riding on this new motorcycle we've never seen. All right, you used that money to buy the motorcycle, and that wasn't that wasn't how it went down. My
0: brother bought me the motorcycle, and uh. It and was... by the way, <clears throat> by the way, that bed is about that bed is a three thousand dollar bed. By the way, so we just wanted to clear that up. Yeah. So again, before you jump out there and be insensitive online or talk jump to people on social media, know the whole story. You know, we've gotten away from knowing the whole stories. Those are something, those are some things I'm unimpressed about with our society. This is why this is called the unimpressed podcast. So we want to have Gordor on here, be on the lookout. We have the bank production television just launched, right? It will be live in a week, two weeks So look for that, Gordo. We're going to be developing some content around Gordo, maybe a series called Saving Gordo, uh, maybe a film series with something, and we'll be doing this with all our comedians in the Bang family. So, Gordo, thanks for coming on. Anything else you want to say for closing words? And that's it. Keep on
1: watching. Be prepared. These next videos are about to be stupid crazy.
0: I'm excited about it. This is John Edmonds Cosma on the Unimpressed Podcast. on